Hi everyone, welcome to Movies at Midnight Podcast, where we discuss movies that we've watched, do some traveling, inspired by the locations of the film or their themes. I'm Tanya. And I'm Jorge. And today we are talking about 2009's Law Abiding Citizen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, how do you feel about this one? I know, I think it's a little bit of a far-fetched story. Um, it's one of those traditional vigilante justice um, movies similar to like The Punisher mm. um, to an extent, I guess, kind of like Batman where the character is wronged and justice isn't served in the way the character wanted or liked and takes the law into their own hands. Yeah, I've definitely seen this storyline done better. <laughs> I have some pretty substantial issues for myself that made me not enjoy it, which I'll get in, we'll get into later. But uh, yeah, we're going to do a plot synopsis off the top and then give some thoughts about you know, what we want to talk about. Yeah, and um, I do want to point out that I am a fan of just like I guess like a game master and planning something and seeing it play out because I feel like I, I would be terrible at it. Like I'd be like, oh, they're going to do this and uh. then they do the opposite. Um, so I feel like as we go through some of this, I always keep that in the back of my mind where you find something new about Clyde Shelton and you're like, how early did he need to start doing some of this stuff in order to execute and then even before that how early did he need to plan yeah uh to do all that um, oh wait i did say i was like oh i was gonna say welcome to our review of law-abiding citizen or the origin story of john kramer yeah, yeah how many i wrote so many times in my notes like something happened i'm like okay Saul. yeah i was like and um, before you said that, I was actually going to make a parallel to him where he's, you know, it's like the John Kramer story where something happens to him and now he wants to take it upon himself to decide how other people should live their lives. Exactly. That, that's so. a similarity that I saw that annoyed me is that pretentious. I do not like John Kramer. He is a pretentious <laughs> ass. Do not tell me how to live my life. Do not tell me what I, what I appreciate and what I do not appreciate. <laughs> I don't um, want to go down that path. I'm, I'm more on how they think and how they plan. Like just being able, like I said, more more of a game master. We were playing like Dungeons and Dragons. If it's done and, well, but uh, it's so cartoony. Maybe maybe okay. do it on a on an adventure and a vacation. Plan all this out for me and you oh. know do it do it that way instead of your villainous ways. But oh, you want me to plan something? No, I'm saying like those those type of characters like use that amazing ingenuity and. Intelligence for what you know the greater good, I guess. Yeah, but see, that's the other thing that makes one of a game movie interesting is when your character of great intelligence does have flaws, because everyone has flaws. But the ones that I don't like, such as this, they're too untouchable, and it's just unrealistic. And that's why I can't really get into the fun of the game, because to me, it's not a game. It's like, I think. Like, a lot of people had an issue with the newest Sherlock adaptation on BBC is because they didn't let you solve it along with Sherlock. They 
would show you things, not give you the full story, and then Sherlock's amazing, you just solved it, and you're like, wait, what, how, why? Mm-hmm. Like, the whole point of it is to have the fun of going along with it and figuring things out, and I also didn't think that was really a possibility in this one, which takes away from the fun. But yeah, I mean, I get, I like games too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the last thing I want to point out is, uh, so for Clyde Shelton's character and not liking uh, the justice, but also he sees a lot of the flaws in in this movie, the American justice system, hence the shirt. <laughs> um, and he tries to, I guess, point it into a better direction. Um, and and I guess in his eyes, it's like doing the wrong thing in order to do what's right. Nah, he's just trying to pull a Daenerys. <laughs> I will break the wheel. I will blow everything up. Yeah. I don't think that's... I don't think he had any means of fixing it. He just wanted to break it. He just wanted to watch the world burn. And I'm totally here for those characters. But as I'll get into, not here for him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, enough of them. Spoiler free. Whatever, it's from 2009. <laughs> okay, our main character, Clyde, is enjoying time with his wife and his daughter at home in Philadelphia when two men knock on the door. These home invaders, Ames and Darby, tie up the family, beginning to loot the home. To the distress of his partner, Ames, Darby murders Clyde's wife and daughter. And I'm reading, that's why it sounds a little stilted. <laughs> Just putting it out there. Okay. Due to the inept handling of evidence, prosecuting attorney Nick Rice, played by Jamie Foxx, can't confidently convict both men. Worried this will decrease his 96% conviction rate, Nick makes a deal with Darby. And the deal is that Darby turns on Ames, testifying it was he who killed the wife and daughter, sentencing Ames to death. In return, Darby will only receive five years in prison. Clyde is left distraught and feeling betrayed. Then, ten years later, so that's how much time he had, <laughs> Nick and his co-worker, Sarah, watch as Ames is executed via lethal injection, but the chemicals were tampered with, pointing to Darby as the culprit, and Ames dies a violent death. Darby receives a call from an unknown person telling him the police are on their way to arrest him. Following this mysterious person's instructions, Darby steals a cop car by gunpoint, and drives to a deserted warehouse. However, shock, oh, the cop is revealed to be Clyde, and also the mysterious phone caller. He paralyzes Darby and records his torture and eventual death performing unspeakable acts that we're going to speak about, so I guess not that unspeakable. <laughs> when Darby's body is found under suspicion, Clyde cooperates, calmly surrendering and going to prison. Clyde is willing to confess in exchange for a mattress, as Nick previously made deals with murderers. Though Nick initially refuses, he is coerced to make the deal when a videotape of Darby's murder is sent to his family and his young daughter watches. Clyde represents himself in court, arguing for bail. He admonishes the judge when his bail is granted, or about to be granted, saying, she allows murderers back on the street with little convincing. Clyde is thrown back in jail. Clyde demands a steak dinner when he reveals to have Darby's lawyer locked up in an unknown location. Nick agrees to the meal, but it is late, an important stipulation made by Clyde, that it be on time. Though Clyde gives the location of the lawyer, it is too late, 
and he has suffocated, having been buried alive. Clyde then kills his cellmate with a stake bone and is placed in solitary confinement. It looked like you wanted to say something. No, I was laughing because you said buried. Oh, what is it? Buried? I don't know. I just... Buried? You tell us. Oh. Okay. Um, we learn from a CIA contact. Clyde is an intelligent engineer. John Kramer. Who... Yeah. Who designed ways to kill targets without having to be in the same room. If he is in jail, he wants to be in jail, says the informant. Later, Nick and another are witness to the judge's murder via cell phone explosive right in front of them. Clyde reveals to Nick his motive is not revenge, but to destroy the justice system. Clyde demands to be released or he will kill everyone, <laughs> giving a deadline of 6 p.m. 6 a. Oh, <laughs> sorry. It looked like night to me. <laughs> After... Six, many of Nick's co-workers are killed in car explosions, including Sarah. When leaving Sarah's funeral, more of Nick's co-workers are killed, including the DA. The mayor puts the city of Philadelphia on lockdown and promotes Nick to district attorney. Nick tracks down a property belonging to Clyde, a garage, just outside of the prison. A tunnel leads to the prison with entrances to each cell in solitary confinement. Nick finds weapons, disguises, and other alarming equipment. Clyde has been carrying out all the murders himself with no accomplice, which they had previously thought that he had one. His next target is the mayor, holding an emergency meeting at City Hall. Nick finds a suitcase bomb on the floor below the meeting placed there by Clyde. When Clyde returns to his cell, Nick is waiting, saying he no longer makes deals with murderers. He tries to dissuade Clyde from activating the bomb, invoking the memory of Clyde's wife and daughter. But Clyde is too far gone and activates the bomb. Nick leaves, locking Clyde in the cell, letting him know he won't live long now. He doesn't say it like that. <laughs> uh, the bomb is under Clyde's bed. Clyde thinks of his family, sits on his bed, and the bomb explodes around him, killing him. And the movie closes as Nick watches his daughter's cello recital, something that he has not once been to. All right, there you go. <laughs> Let's get into it. I just wanted to say the opener, I had seen this movie once before, but it was a while ago and I didn't really remember it. <laughs> and I just did not realize how quickly it kicked off. It's like two seconds in and there's a knock on the door and I'm like, oh shit, are we doing this already? And then it was just like, it felt like whiplash. I think the whole murder, attack, beat, break-in scene was done in like 15 seconds. I was like, whole yeah. what, what just happened? And I guess from like a director's point of view, I think it's a tough call on how fast action happens. Because it's like, we follow Clayton's actions. And, Clyde. Oh. <laughs> Who's Clayton? We, we follow Clyde's actions through... You know, a lot of his motivations are based on what happened to his wife and daughter. But us, the audience, we can sympathize with this father figure or husband. But we don't really get to know the wife and daughter at all. Um, you know, Up showed us how quickly you can do a love story and break someone's heart, uh, you know, within a matter of minutes. <laughs> uh, so I don't think it's impossible. But at the same time, with this being like a revenge movie... You don't want it to be like a slow burner where you see a lot of his, I don't know, 
connection to his wife and daughter. Yeah, they're just plot points. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it would have been interesting if that was done purposefully to show them as plot points because by the end he's saying it's not about revenge anymore. It's about this broken system and I want to break it as well. So Yeah, because with him being an engineer and, you know, he does confront Nick about that, that I can't believe you think it's revenge because he he tells him, you know, he knows Nick's schedule. He like gets up at eight. The wife drops off the daughter at 815. So he's like he's had the time to execute a revenge if that's what he wanted. So he's after the system, you know, or for for his greater good. Um, But I do think they could have made us care a little bit more because we are rooting for clyde's character um towards the beginning of the movie where you're like yeah we feel for him he's been wronged when Um, he's killing the people who broke into his house yeah yeah and then after that it yeah and then i I think that's where the movie did a really good job of transitioning because in your synopsis you refer to clyde as the main character where i think a lot of people see nick as like the main character because we see his character grow as well in the beginning He's a very motivated lawyer. He has a high conviction rate and he's like, oh, I want to be the best. He's aiming for, uh, you know, essentially district attorney or the higher level job and a career. Ten years later, he's still passionate and going, yet he's still doing, you know, he's working in a broken system. So he's making deals with murders and the scum of society And I think in one of the scenes when he's talking to his daughter about not going to recital, he's like, what does daddy do? He puts away bad guys so that they can be saved. So that's like his moral code and him sometimes acknowledging he has to do bad things in order to get the bad guys off the street or most of the guys. Um, Because he does say some justice is better than no justice, which... I had some questions about that because I was like... Does that make sense? Because isn't justice, and I know that we live in a world of gray, so there's not really right and wrong, but the idea of justice is that there's right and wrong. So just by, I guess, semantics and definition of the word, isn't that kind of a misleading statement? You're saying, it's like saying some truth is better than no truth, but some truth isn't truth because it's not the full picture, so it's not the truth. Ergo, there's no such thing as some truth. There's no such thing as some justice. I don't know, maybe. I'm I'm getting really nitpicky with the words. (laughs) But I thought that was interesting. I don't know, those are the kind of things I think about. (laughs) And I feel like the movie purposely leaves some of those things vague. Like, throughout the movie, we see images or statues of Lady Justice, and Lady Justice being blind is supposed to signify that you know, the justice system is supposed to treat everyone the same and it doesn't matter who you are. This film, we see that people are on one side or the other, kind of showcasing how truly broken the system is. Yeah, I don't think it's vague at all. I think it's very on the nose because many times even the mayor has a line like, I don't care how you have to warp the laws. There's like essentially a loophole Mm -hmm. that we can use to find information that we shouldn't be able to find on our citizens. And then there's also a line that Jamie Foxx says that is fuck his civil rights or something like that. And I was like, was that a trailer line? But more to the point, I'm like, doesn't that prove the whole point of Clyde? And I'm just like, yeah, "Yeah, we get it. The system is broken. But also I was like, Nick's not really that type of person. I know he cares about numbers, 
But that just felt like a trailer line so much because I was like, I can't honestly get behind Nick's characters ever saying that to someone. Like, fucking civil rights. I'm like, <laughs> but no, you care. You want to, you're working. Yes, you're working within this broken system, but you're working within it and doing the best that you can. You don't always feel good about it because you see once he makes a deal with Darby towards the beginning, he does not want to talk to him. He doesn't want to shake his hand. He does because there are reporters around. That's like even more of a time to not shake someone's hand is when people are recording it and documenting it. But I just, I got the sense, and he does grow, but I definitely got the sense that he is a somewhat beleaguered man trying to do the best that he can and yeah he has his own um goals so such as being a great lawyer and keeping his conviction rate high so yeah maybe not fighting isn't the greatest but he's not terrible he's not like mm-hmm. this evil yeah fuck his civil rights guy <laughs> yeah, and then that, that's where um i like having these type of complex characters right as you said they're gray they're not right they're not wrong everybody is somewhere in the middle and in the end of the film where you know Clyde is telling him you know let's make a deal and he tells him oh I don't make with make deals with murders anymore which Clyde gets happy because he's like okay I changed Nick Nick is a changed man he then goes to his daughter's recital but I'm like did anything really change or would anything really change are we going to go back to the way things are. And I think we're going to go back because it goes beyond Nick Rice's character where the mayor has already put the city on lockdown. And I don't know, maybe it's like COVID times where I'm like, dude, the president can't put this country on lockdown. What makes you think the mayor of, and this movie takes place in Philadelphia. I'm like, what makes you think the mayor of Philadelphia can be like, the city is on lockdown. No one no one moves, no one goes to work, no kids go to school until like this guy is done. I'm like, oh yeah, right, lady. Like people here would not listen. I mean, it's Viola Davis. I'd listen to her. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree. That's funny. I didn't think of that. I wanted to point out a few things throughout the movie before I get to like my two main issues with it. Just small things. When Clyde gets arrested, he gets completely naked. I guess mm-hmm. so that, you know, there's no calls to shoot him like there's no miscommunication i I was also wondering like why is he naked like i think just so they know there's nothing on me i don't have any weapons but (laughs) i know it's messed up but he had the bracelet that his daughter made him and it said daddy you know just like nice because he's like walking out (laughs) naked with this bracelet says daddy and i'm like in this day and age very different context (laughs) it made me laugh yeah uh another thing I'm not a fan of Clyde's. You'll see more to that why later, but when he gets his his stake and such in the jail cell, he was annoyed. Oh my God. The way he was eating, he was like, I'm not going to do it because some people have issues with that, but he was making a lot of mouth sounds. And I was like, <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. Shut up. No, don't shut up. Open your mouth and start telling us where the lawyer is. Not, I didn't really care about that, but. I was just like, stop, you were so annoying. And that's the thing, I couldn't get behind him because he was so cartoonish. I'm like, sir, you're mad because your wife and daughter were brutally murdered in front of you. And you're over here making jokes and being like, ha, 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 ha. And like, when he kills Darby, it's really, again, cartoonishly evil, straight out of Saul. He's like, cutting off 
limbs, eyelids. He's got a mirror so he can watch the whole thing. And he's mm-hmm. so gleeful about it. And I'm like, what regular everyday civilian is this comfortable with killing people by their own hand? I think we find out later that he designed a lot of things to kill people, but he wasn't in the room and he's the one designing. He's not the one physically sawing someone's well, like, leg off. Like John Kramer, he's not a murderer. He never killed anyone, which... Uh... I don't... Okay, well, yeah, John Kramer's <laughs> a total murderer. Don't even get me da- started on that. Um, but I don't think Clyde ever said... Clyde yeah. admits to being a murderer, at least. He's got that going for him, I guess. And uh, that's where I really... I like John... Oh, sorry. I like Clyde's character from uh, character design. Mm. Um, not necessarily his actions, but if you kind of look at his life, okay, he probably like grew up somewhere, he went off to college, he was good at engineering, he became an engineer, probably worked a, a gig or two, somehow starts working um, in and around military defense contracts. He then starts working with the CIA to develop methods of killing people. So it's like, how did he, you know, like, I, I mean, I don't know if universities do this, but I can imagine that there's like a how to torture people class 101, 101. <laughs> um, engineering, or maybe that's one of your electives. Uh, if any of you guys are engineers out there, or what is it, mechanical engineers, let us know if that's a, a class you take where you tinker and tots. What was that game, Mousetrap, where you have to do all these devices and eventually you end up trapping the mouse i think that was like the objective of the game Mm. so it's like when nick and jonas were talking to an informant from the cia he tells them that clyde is extremely intelligent they call him the brains they think he's a spy and he was telling him no i'm a spy we're a dime a dozen but clyde is the one that orchestrates this And so I'm like, okay, how high and mighty is Clyde? Because not only is he the engineer, but he is now also like the game master where it's like he can predict human behavior, where I feel like someone else should have really been like, okay, when A happens, the person does this. So I need a device that does this. And then they go to an engineer and they're like, hey, make this device for me. He's like, okay, sure. Yeah, so you're saying the hierarchy doesn't really say like the per- like engineer up here. It's usually like the like you would, you would expect then... a you would expect the team like maybe like a um, like for example in um, Silence of the Lamb they go to Hannibal because he understands the way human behavior is and he's like a psychologist by trade and he understands well people's behavior and he can predict what people are gonna do. I don't know how many engineers have that ability but then again like john kramer is uh you know able to do that as well you know they say that every move that clyde makes it's a pawn moving on a chessboard nothing that he does is random everything is done for a purpose and that's what i'm not here for i'm like not everything come on man let's give him some flaws like like i said if, if if i look at the timeline he wanted to be found at home and the police have found him at a specific house where later on we i think we find out that he had like nine or ten properties so it's like did they search all nine before they got to it no it's like they found him right away sarah who was like nick's co-worker finds out that a lot of his purchases were done through panama 
And I don't know, there, there must be some sort of a treaties where like Panama won't disclose a lot of the information, which Clyde must have found out at some point, you know, maybe, maybe his buddies told him, hey, if you're going to do something. It's a typical um, accounts in the Bahamas, accounts. Yeah. Rich people stuff. <laughs> so it's like he sets all of this up in motion, you know, like it's a, the, the court case ended and, you know, 10 years passed. So it's like during those 10 years, how soon did Clyde start planning all this stuff um, and buying these and, and prepping for? The second he saw Nick shake, I almost said Nick good, oh yeah. god, my hands in <laughs> Nick Rice shake hands with Darby, which I thought was really funny because you get a shot of that, you get a shot of um, Nick and Darby shaking hands, all the reporters are crowded around taking photos, and you're like, oh, okay, so Clyde's gonna see it tomorrow in the paper. No, and then they got through a shot of Clyde, like, way over there, and he's, like, staring them down, and I'm like, how, he's A, too far away to even seeing who those people are. B, the reporters are all blocking the view. I just thought it was so funny. I'm like, okay, yeah, you saw that. Yeah, and I think even there, that's when Darby tells, you know, he's shaking hands with him. He's like, oh, isn't it great when the system works in your favor? So it's like the movie's constantly pointing out uh, flaws in the system. And then going back to his mastermindness, um, you know, we don't really know when Clyde was working for the CIA. And what other companies he worked with even before. I mean, I can't imagine he started working there right away and then, you know, he worked himself up to some sort of master engineer. I think there's like theories that like he retired and he's like, okay, I'm a stay at home dad. Because in the opening scene, you see his daughter making bracelets. Maybe that's her foreshadowing. She might have been an engineer someday, like putting the bracelet together. Um, and then we cut to him and he's soldering something. So it's like, was he soldering some sort of a death trap or some murder thing? Or maybe he was just soldering some electronic at home. But it's like, here's this master level thinker and home invasion happens. I don't know how common like the, the eye rig or the ring or whatever, like cameras were. But it's like, how do two... And I would almost go to say low-level criminals just break into this mastermind's house. And like, hit him in the head with a bat. They got him off that surprise. Like, they, they do point out in the movie that they were waiting for takeout or something. So I guess to kind of show, oh, they were, they were cut off guard. But at the same time, if he has all these devices, wouldn't he, I don't know, have, have told the wife, hey, I kill people. Maybe the wife is oblivious. Eventually, someone's going to come after me. And I think they could have done something where maybe Clyde tried killing someone, they escaped, and now they're after him. Because it's like, they set it up as a home invasion. Yeah, it's completely random. And it's like, oh, we just broke into some dude's house. But then it's like, what if you break into the Don't Breathe guy's house? Where, uh-oh, that's not the guy you want to... Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, break into. I just feel like he is so powerless and kind of like none of his skills are activated until the end of the court case and then from like day one all of a sudden he's like a, a mastermind and, and he can do no wrong or make no mistakes or maybe it was like after that he's like oh i'm gonna become a killer engineer and then that like we don't really know when he was working with the cia i'm a killer engineer you know <laughs> if he starts doing that i mean do you really need five years to start working with the CIA? I don't know. Now I'm just thinking of him putting that on his business card. 
title <laughs> killer engineer yeah i i just and then that's where i just kind of wish i we we had a timeline maybe that's one of those where it's like the magician never reveals his secrets because uh you had a timeline 10 years later yeah. <laughs> um so it's I'm like kidding. just how much of this is planned you know we found out that one of his properties was next to the prison that he was sent to so it's like he must have known for this level of crime i'm gonna end up here because within philadelphia there's you know how many prisons it's like how what if he ended up in uh greaterford that's just north of philadelphia or or a different one yeah and i'll tell you what they shot at eastern state which is amazing mm -hmm. but he ain't going there yeah no but they obviously they didn't yeah. say it was eastern because mm -hmm. that's been closed down it's not a functioning prison anymore. prison for quite some time now you know we find out that his property that was close to the prison there was a tunnel that led to every cell in the solitary confinement section where i'm like okay maybe year three he's like i'm gonna dig a hole and for the next year or two i'm gonna dig this tunnel because it looks like a miner's tunnel which I mean, I've tried to dig a hole to plant a tree, and that's taken me a long time. And uh, from one of our reviews of... Uh, Caliber, yeah. Caliber. Digging holes, it's a reoccurring theme yeah. on this show. You know, to, to dig a grave, it would take a, you know, an experienced person, like, pretty much a full day shift to dig a six-foot hole. And this guy dug a tunnel? I mean, I, I don't know how long it goes, but it, it must have been like a mile, maybe two miles. Yeah, so 10 years maybe is long enough to have done that to every single cell. But then he has all the other planning he still yeah. has to do. He yeah. has to, like he said, watch Nick every day, know his routine. When yeah. were you doing that if you're under the ground yeah. digging tunnels? Maybe he has the, the, the ability that Dexter has, where it's like, because he's also working, right? He, he Dexter never sleeps. Yeah, where it was like, Dexter's working in the lab, uh, I'm assuming, let's say, five days a week, 40 hours, and then he's stalking people, and then he, like, murders people at night, and then cleans up the whole mess with all and his plastic. And then makes breakfast. And then makes breakfast. So it was like, when, when does he do all this? I was like, maybe Clyde has that uh, Dexter ability to just make things happen. Yeah, because when they were doing research on Clyde, uh, Sarah tells Nick that he was getting payments from the Department of Defense and some other stuff. So it's like, they're not just going to give you money for anything. That's a lot of those tinkers and weapon development that he did. I also wanted to bring up after Nick's coworker gets killed, I think the original district attorney, the mayor is pissed. And she's like, I want to fire you, Nick. But oh, yeah. Or maybe he's like, I want to resign. Yeah, she wants to fire him first. He's like, well, then I resign. Oh, right, right. Yeah. And I was just like, for what? Nick's not protective service. Did you expect Nick to jump in front of this machine gun? Like, why is he in trouble? He's not the police. He's a lawyer or attorney. I don't know the difference. Well, it was either a budget thing or a storytelling thing, because at the same time, like, when they find out about the lawyer, who's in the helicopter? Nick's... The lawyer, Nick. Yeah, he's he, running around he's doing like, all this physical stuff. Does, I'm like, would a lawyer even know those coordinates that uh, Clyde gives them? You know, he's like, X amount of degrees, X minutes, seconds, or something like that. I don't know where that is. Maybe Google Map knows. But then it's like, even if you have them, wouldn't you send your, like, SWAT team or like a tactical team. No, let's send the lawyer. Yeah, Nick uh, is everywhere. He's 
He's a hard worker. No wonder he yeah. misses all his daughter's cello recitals. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I can't go to the cello because I'm flying in the helicopter to find a body. And she's like, aren't you a lawyer? Like, yeah, right. Well, why are you going? Um, Do you really hate your family this much? <laughs> and then way to like mess up the evidence, Nick. Like you're, they're all touching the lawyer. They're like, oh, is he alive? Like way to put your fingerprints there. Yeah, um, that's. There was that's, no gloves. Uh, that's probably why they couldn't convict Darby and Ames in the first place. Because Nick's all in the scene going, blah, 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 touch, touch, yeah. touch. What's this? Yeah. Yeah. Because like when they find out, you know, his properties. There goes Nick, and uh, I forget his, like, little buddy there, but the guy that comes out in Con Air, who's also kind of like a scummy character there, too. Um, but they're investigating his property. I'm like, don't you have detectives for that? Like, report it to the police. So it's like, Nick is the jack-of-all-trades uh, lawyer now. Yeah, that's what I thought when, towards the end, they find um, the tunnels and all of the guns and disguises, and it's just the two of them. And they keep searching. And I'm like, shouldn't you be calling for backup now? Like, Nick, you're not even a pol- you're not even a cop. Yeah. I guess that's why he doesn't call for backup, because he's not a yeah. cop. But I was like, call people. Get people in here. You found something. Yeah, and we watch SVU. We never see the lawyers, uh, Yeah. you know, investigating stuff. Every once in a while, the DA comes along, but it's always Benson and Stabler that are investigating the scenes and maybe the lawyers come in after to like look i don't know maybe i'm wrong maybe lawyers are doing that stuff like it's part of the job description i wouldn't know in this day and age yeah they're like you have to double as a lawyer and a cop everyone has to wear multiple hats (laughs) but we're only gonna pay you for one job those are kind of the little things i just found interesting or funny that i wanted to get into but I can get into the major reason, main reason why I thought the film could have been better slash I hate Clyde. (laughs) I was like, oh, I could get more into this, this movie as like a fun revenge flick if it weren't for two things. And the first thing is I can't pick a tone. I feel like some things are really dark, but then almost, almost all the characters are so cartoonish. And I've mentioned a little bit about Clyde and how gleeful he is with killing and just being a general douche about everything and i'm like so are you the the unhappy miserable tortured husband who lost and father who lost their family or are you this maniac like pick a lane the one line that i really liked because i felt it really hit home but it felt so out of place because it was so stark nick asked clyde oh do you think your daughter and your wife would be happy with you killing in their name and he's like, Clyde just pauses and he's like, they're dead. They don't feel anything. And I was like, brilliant. I mean, yeah, true. Like, that's the point. And I can totally get behind that as like someone feeling so beaten down and being like, what does it matter what they think? They're, they don't think. They're gone. But that's like as dark as the movie gets in terms of that. Like, it gets gorily dark in terms of the saw stuff although we only really hear about it we don't see too much uh but probably my bigger issue with it is the both insidious and blatant sexism throughout the whole film movie whatever here are some examples of just unnecessary throwaway sexism like when or misogyny, when Clyde calls Darby and he's in his apartment helping him escape from the cops, he's like, oh, I see you in there with coke, a bitch on the floor. 
I'm like, Clyde, do you know this woman? Necessary or not? She's sleeping at home. She's in underwear because she's sleeping. Why is she a bitch? Huh? Like, maybe her and Darby are going... It's just so annoying. And then he's having a, a conversation with his cellmate later, and the cellmate has two broads on the outside. So it's like these little things that that's what's so annoying is the the underlining when it's obvious you can like point it out and you can say there it is like that's gross but when it's just so thick and it's in everything it like permeates the whole movie maybe you kind of forget and then it wiggles its way into your own brain and then you start internalizing it and it's just disgusting but um uh, so the more obviously the more blatant is when he's chastising the judge who's a female he goes First he calls her a bitch in heat, and then he says, oh, I bet you take it up the ass, and number one, we don't kink shame here. That's rude, Clyde. That's beyond rude. But again, I was like, okay, so how does he take the men out in this movie? Through violence. How does he attack the females? Degrading them. Using their sex against them. Oh, you're a gross bitch in heat. Disgusting, because you're a female. And he does eventually... She's the one who gets got with the cell phone, which I forgot. I thought she got blown up in a car, so that literally jump-scared me. I was like, holy shit! I was like, oh my god, it's not cool. But she's also, like, on the nose, like, kind of grimy, like, nee, 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 and it's like... So there's that. But here's my hot take on Sarah. So Sarah, this is, like, the more dangerous misogyny, because it's, like, it's, it's really like I said, insidious. So she's nice, and she's sweet, and she's smart, and she gets things done, and she's a hard worker, but she doesn't have time for a boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. So you're like, okay. And we'll see little things, like when Ames is executed by lethal injection, and he starts having the violent reaction, what does Nick do? And we love Nick, but what does Nick do? Take Sarah out. She's the only female in there. Get her out of here. Oh, she's a female. She can't handle it. Okay? As a, just a, not thinking about it, you're like, oh, that's so nice, he's protecting her. Why? Because she's female. Does she need to be protected from seeing that? Because she's female? No. If she has an aversion to it, sure. Whatever. So there's that. And then the other thing is, before she dies in the explosion of the car, she's talking to Nick and she's saying, I gave up things as a woman to have this job. So we assume no husband, boyfriend, whatever, no children. And then she dies. What are they saying? So she's good, so we protect her. So she's innocent, so we protect her. But she didn't do her womanly duty of having a family and having babies. So she also, she's got to go. <laughs> Blow her up. So it's just like things like that that don't sit well with me. And maybe that wasn't, that particular bit wasn't there. Like, but that's so gross to me. Wait, one more thing. Um, sorry. <laughs> oh, what was it? Shit, 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 shit. Oh, yeah. The last thing is, um, Clyde says, oh, it's going to get biblical. And I'm like, there it is. We know how much the Bible loves women. They don't. I'm going to pull the whole thing down. It's going to be biblical. That's my grave. That's <laughs> my, my little rant on that as a female. <sighs> yeah, and um, to add to that, with the one of the major uh, themes in this film is that the system is broken and the movie really does portray 
the legal system. But during some of these interactions, I also think it's that system of men and women being treated differently in the workforce. Because as you were pointing out, when um, Sarah was talking to Nick, it, it gets it starts off with the morality. And she asks him if, you know, going back 10 years, would you have done the same things that you would have done now? And then Nick, which at this point hasn't really grown as a character. I mean, he, he doesn't really grow at all. It's really just the last scene where he's like, I've changed now. But he's like, no, we, we did the right thing back then. And we would have cut the same deal today and this. And so she then tells him, you know, that she loves working for him. And she's given up the husband or a partner a child, a family, for what? Just a high conviction rate. Yet, mirror image, here's Nick, now a man. Mm -hmm. He has a family, has the child, has the high conviction rate. So why is it that Nick can have all of that, but Sarah, being a woman, can't? So it's one of those where it's like, oh, it's her job to be with the child. Why couldn't she have a stay-at-home daddy that takes care of her child? Because we don't really know what the wife does of Nick's wife. I think she grades because in the very opening he says, "Oh, is this a C minus?" So I think she's a teacher. Did I say I think she grades. I think she's. <laughs> but a like, teacher. did she stay a teacher? Like one, like we we never really hear her talk about other You're students. Right. Um, you it's know, a she, throwaway line at the beginning, and then we yeah. get no character development yeah. on her or the daughter, even though so they. So like, even I mean, if if that's the the points. theory, like more more against the movie on like, oh, she had a career, but now that she's pregnant, she has a child, she has to give it up because we don't hear her talk about a student. She's there at all the recitals. She's the one that takes her to school. I mean, if she's a teacher, maybe they go together. But he isn't, like Clyde doesn't say, oh, your wife takes her to school and, and then teaches and, you know, picks her up. They're just, uh, they're more pawns in this yeah. film. More women as pawns yeah. in the film. Um, so when Great. Nick and Sarah were really talking, I was like, why is it that he can have everything that Sarah wants, but if all Sarah would get is... Do you want the family or do you want the career? It's like a choice for her where Nick can have both. But then someone can argue, well, what good of a father is he? Sure, he probably provides, pays, pays uh, the bills, the mortgage and, and all that stuff. But he's never at the recitals. He never goes. Yeah. So it's like if his day to day is anything like this movie, when he gets home, what? The daughter's already asleep. Um, so it's like, when does he even see that, see that daughter? And if you don't want a family, you don't have to have a family. It's like yeah. this this put upon idea of this is what I should have yeah. as a person. So I have it. And it's like for Nick, and I'm sure he. it seems like he really does care about them and love them. But more often than not, he's like brushing them aside. Oh, you're always in the way. Like, I got to focus on my job. Stop calling me about my daughter watching a snuff film. Ugh, yeah. what? <laughs> Go home, dude. No, he doesn't even go home. I remember that. The wife calls and she's like, she just saw someone murder someone else on on television. He's like, did she see the face? Yeah. That's what you're asking her? And then he's like, I won't. I can't come home. But tell her it was fake. Yeah, so I, I don't know if this is a theme, but it's something that keeps getting brought up throughout the film. So it's like the notion that you can't fight fate. You know, the Darby says it in the beginning and then... After Ames gets executed, they, they find the chemical and it was like, oh, there was this line, you can't fight fate. Later on, Nick says it, then Clyde says it. And it's like that idea of, I guess, like, you are who you are no matter what you do. 
you're going to do the things you're going to do. Um, you know, I guess call it from like a God perspective where it's like God has given you a certain fate and you're going to do it. Like Oedipus, what is it? The Oedipus complex where the, yeah, you can't fight you know, fate, yeah. you're, you're going to do what you're going to do. And all of the actions, even if you try to prevent it, are going to lead you to doing that. Mm -hmm. Or is this something like, well, here's the broken system and Clyde's going to fight fate and I'll try to like bring it down. I mean, eventually he doesn't do it. So it's like, maybe that's him. Well, you can't fight it. You tried. Mm -hmm. But I was like, what were they trying to say with this line that they keep bringing up over and over again? I don't know if it's just be me being thick or if they didn't weave it in well. But yeah, I kind of forgot about that line because I was like, I didn't see the way it weaved itself into the story personally. I don't know. Not in a way that's like, of course, when you're talking about fate, you can always be like, you can always shoehorn it in because like if something happens, well, it was fate. But like, I didn't see it as a way, maybe Nick or Clyde trying to work a different route and then being brought back to what was always going to happen. Because I didn't know what was always going to happen, what that the justice system stays corrupt and that's the fate. That's just what it is. Yeah, and then that, that's the part that was kind of like troubling me. And I was like, is that even a theme? Where it's like, was Nick always going to be the DA? So no matter what, he was going to do it. But then I was like, that's, I don't know. I don't think that's too much of a thing. Or if it's something like something was going to happen and Clyde's trying to prevent it. And then in the end, it happens. I just, I felt like they kept saying it and then didn't do anything with it. Um, Agreed. Yeah, and one thing that really bugged me about Clyde's character when he's talking to Nick about the confessions and they're like, how did Ames have such a violent reaction to the lethal injection? Towards the beginning of the film, you know, they say that that machine is designed to be painless and the chemicals are injected in a certain order and we see three different, which looks like a ton of fluid. Um, being injected into somebody and so we see the first two go in and then the third one goes in and then aim starts you know reacting very violently and screaming in pain until he finally dies and then clyde tells him it's so easy to break into the logistics software and change the delivery to his place so that it goes to him and then he ends up switching the last chemical, which I think they said it's like potassium chloride, to something else. They don't tell us what it is. Puts it back and then ships it. Um, even if he did that, wouldn't they see some like shipping records? Why was this shipped elsewhere? I mean, when, when I get my packages, I mean, even FedEx does this. Maybe back then it wasn't. Um, you can see it was delivered to this FedEx, then this <laughs> FedEx, then, then here and then there. Um, so it's like... I feel like there should have been some traceability, but also, is this a stock item for um, this facility that I guess they're in the business of killing people? Mm -hmm. Like when, oh, Ames is going to be killed. All right, let's order chemical one, two, and three and have them delivered here. I would imagine that they have some area in that facility where it's like, here's all chemical one. Here's all gotcha. chemical two. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Stock item, yeah, an inventory yeah. where it's like, oh, grab the three chemicals. Like, mm -hmm. I can't imagine that whoever developed the chemicals is like, oh, here's a care package for Ames. <laughs> it's these three. Yeah. Um, so it's like, how would have Clyde known that? I mean, he had 10 years to research it or probably five to put his plan in motion. But I'm like, 
how would he know to switch that one specific vial? I mean, he wasn't there. Maybe he was uh, in the in the other movie. At the end of the movie, you find out he had a lot of disguises. But he could have just said, I was there. I was the technician that put that fluid. And I swapped it. Yeah. You know, it's like he says he gets it delivered to the house where I'm like, I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> um, I don't know. And it, it's probably like a small thing, but... Like I said, I like thinking of these characters like when they start thinking of what they're doing and then what they do to execute. Where that one, I'm like, why? Why go that route? Yeah. And see, I thought, because we got a close-up of all three tubes, I thought there was an air bubble in that last one. Oh, yeah. There, it looked like there was. And I thought that's how he killed him. So, hmm. Interesting storytelling choices. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> And another theme that this movie brings up, and we see in a lot of other films as well, is um, morality. The movie starts off, you know, with an extremely violent scene, and then it gets cut to a shot of Billy Penn, who's standing on top of City Hall. And for anyone who isn't familiar, I, what, Billy Penn is the founder of Philadelphia, or Pennsylvania, hence Penn, um, in the name. And I don't know if court cases actually happen in city hall but i guess in the movie it, it's kind of set up that way um and you know we, we talked about lady justice but i guess like the statue kind of symbolizes the morality and the difference between what's right and what's wrong and all of these characters clyde he's doing the wrong things for what he thinks is right mm -hmm. he kills the people who murdered his family um you know, kind of like avenging them or doing the revenge. But then he's killing everyone involved. He killed the lawyer that helped them get off. And all of these things are wrong. He, he murders a judge. He murders a lot of the people on Nick's team. Um, he blows them up. Oh, and when that happens, he has this faux little like, I'm so sad. I'm murdering innocent people. Because that's when Sarah died. I'm like, shut the yeah. fuck up. That one, I'm like, how did he even pull off? Yeah. But then... You have Nick's character, who was originally painted as, like, the, the good guy. Um, which some people are like, he's the protagonist of the film, not Clyde. Um, Alright, it was a slip of the tongue. Jeez. No, well, I mean, some people think, you know, well, it's like, <laughs> no, I think that, it is Nick. that can be a debate on its own. Like, who is the law-abiding citizen? Because oh, yeah. when Clyde is talking to the judge, he's like, judge, I'm a law-abiding citizen. This is my first offense. I'm a good guy. But then it's like, is Nick? the law-abiding citizen I'm a good um, guy. you know Come on. Um, so I, I i think and and that's why i really like this film it's you can kind of see it and it, it can mean different things to different people sure. um but when nick was talking to the to his daughter he's like i put away the bad guys i'm the good guy i'm protecting the city but he's the one that's making deals with bad guys later He's the one who's like trumping somebody else's rights. He's like, I don't care what you have to do. You can't even let Clyde go outside. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that's him going outside of the system and kind of like proving Clyde's point that the system is broken because here he is getting away with everything. Then him and his buddy discover the bomb that's underneath towards the end of the film. Oh, man. I feel like I kind of did a bad of like setting it up. In City um, Hall, when they're having the emergency meeting, the bomb's <laughs> a floor under that meeting. Yeah. They find that bomb, and, and what does Nick feel like he should do? Oh, let's not call the bomb squad. Let's not 
call for backup. Let's just grab this briefcase and go down these tunnels and I'm going to put it under the bed of this alleged criminal. Because, you know, here in the U.S., you're innocent until proven guilty and we haven't seen Clyde go to court. So for all intents and purposes and following our legal system, he's an innocent person and he's taking it upon himself to apply capital punishment. Nick um, is also playing fast and loose with a yeah. lot of people's lives. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, it is solitary, but it's like, are the other cells well, empty? Are they being utilized? I also just meant City Hall as well, because he's transporting a bomb. Yeah. Yeah, you it, don't know how sensitive it, it is, because also, yeah. it remind, when they open up the bomb, the suitcase, it reminded me of the bomb from The Rock. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's green, and there are these string of balls. Oh, such a good... If, I mean, I saw it when I was younger, but I thought it was a fun movie. <laughs> and then, like, if Clyde is really this mastermind, we see when Nick and... Oh, I forgot that guy's name, but that other character... Yeah, I don't remember either um, of their names. <laughs> they open the briefcase where I feel like if Clyde was like, yep, this is a foolproof pen, he could have done what any other bomb terrorist in other movies do is as soon as you try to defuse it, have it go off. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not an engineer, but I can imagine if, if, if you can orchestrate this device putting some sort of tampering proof in it because they open it and see a bomb so it's like well if someone opens it just have it go off yeah nick does the wrong thing in terms of grabbing it transporting it and placing it under clyde's bed to what prove a point uh, to put the bad guy in jail and then you have some of these uh officials like the judges who are like i don't care what laws you need to change or what rules you need to bend, we're going to trample this man's rights for our, our greater good. Yep, on the nose. When Nick is talking to Clyde at the end, Clyde comes back into his cell and he's surprised that Nick is there. Um, and I think it was a genuine surprise. Like he was like, whoa, how, how did you get in here type stuff. Finally and, got him off guard. And they're, yeah, and they're, they're, <laughs> they're you know, they, they're talking about what's, what's right and what's wrong. And at this point, Nick had already put the bomb underneath his bed. And I don't know how well lit that room is, but I feel like Clyde is coming up from the bottom. You should have seen some of that shiny leather. <laughs> uh, been like, hey, what is that? Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, m- maybe he missed it. And Nick is telling Clyde, don't set the bomb off. You know, we found out you had the bomb and he's... No, I'm going to set it off anyway. And he's like, this is a decision you're going to have to live with the rest of your life. Which once he decides, yeah, I'm going to set it off. He's like, well, you have about 25 seconds to live. Yeah, he's like, so good. Yeah. I made a fast one on you. Um, Pulled a fast one. And the only sign of character growth that we get from Nick is that Clyde tries to make one last deal with him. And he's like, I don't make deals with criminals or murderers Worse. or something. And he's like, oh, I've grown now. I'm going to start attending my daughter's like." <laughs> recitals now and i'm gonna be there for him but it's like you just murdered this guy well meta is distasteful (laughs) he did not murder anyone i guess that's true but i'm like as nick is walking away running hopefully and this bomb was designed it was put on the fifth floor it was designed to kill everyone one floor above it. So mm-hmm. now I'm picturing one circle. So one floor above, one floor below, and, you know, in all directions. Here's one tiny cell. And we've actually been to Eastern State to see some of these solitary cells. And mm-hmm. they're 
maybe what five feet by five feet and it was in a hall Mm -hmm. so if there's anyone else who was in solitary they're probably gone Mm -hmm. what if a what is it like a guard was coming in for their nightly rounds and so it's like how many people did like nick put in danger by bringing the bomb sure he didn't set it off because clyde's the one that called the number yeah but he put it there no yeah i agree i see a little bit of a character growth in Clyde once he finds out the bomb is underneath and I don't know how fast this bomb would take place or how much slow motion it's a movie uh, yes it's a movie it just being so dramatic. it's like you see the and it, I think it's a really beautiful scene where I mean, it wasn't Clyde well regardless of the person just here here's a man sitting down and it's a dark room and you see just like fuel or something ignite around him and I feel like he finally, I don't know, comes at peace with himself, or maybe he's like, I did my best. He accepted that Nick outsmarted him by putting the the briefcase down. He wasn't going to change the system. Or it's something like, well, I'm going to die. I'm going to go be with my family in the afterlife. And he found some sort of happiness in that. Yeah, peace. Uh, Because he's holding on to his... uh, um daddy bracelet from when it he's doesn't naked. say i'm daddy it just says daddy um, can you imagine if it said that that'd yeah. be even funnier for some reason you know he, he does find peace at i guess his last couple of seconds he's not i feel like i would have been freaking out oh my god there's the the bomb you do see that like nick's partner or whatever was on the other side locking him in so that he couldn't just escape through the tunnels mm-hmm. um but i feel like i i would have tried i don't know pounded on the door then his partner better run fast too, because that's a total yeah. collapse yeah. in the tunnels. Yeah, I the, the, think. So. Oh, I think Nick just killed his partner too. Who, who knows? Yeah, we never really see him. <laughs> uh, at the end, and the last thing that I wanted to bring up was uh, a fan theory that I found on Reddit by Riz D Key, um, which was a while ago, and I th- I think there's some debunks of it already and stuff, but I, I found it kind of interesting was that Nick and Clyde were working together. It's kind of set up that, okay, Clyde clearly wasn't happy that Nick made the deal. And Nick, we know from his conversation with his boss that he was aiming for a high level. And X amount of you, or, you know, he, he does this case. He has an extremely high conviction rate. We know that 10 years later, he's still not the DA. So I feel like a few years in, Nick is like, what is going on? Why aren't I getting promoted? I'm not getting what I want. And if Clyde's been watching him, he's like, hey, let's do this where I can get my revenge by killing the guys that murdered my wife. We'll set up a plan to get you to be DA. Because remember, Clyde is like this uh, mastermind able to move pawns on his side. Oh, that would be really interesting. And then, like, it's a double cross in the end because Nick's like, bye, yeah. sucker. Yeah, so no in the, evidence. In the comment section, it's one of those where, like, they say this would have made a better film. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> if, if, like, Nick was in it. Because, you know, they, they kill the lawyer, which he's competition for Nick, but not really for the job. But I guess, you know, can any lawyer be DA? I don't know. Um, but then they actually kill the DA. So, like, would Nick have been okay? to have Clyde kill the DA and then I guess he would be like next in line and then that's where like some of it kind of falls apart where some people believe that Nick wouldn't go that far Mm -hmm. um but I mean he's never there for his family he's 
extremely career driven. It's just like how far could he have gone? And then, um, you know, with Nick finally getting, he swears in as DA, tying up the loose ends is rather than letting Nick kill everyone else, or maybe Nick finds out, well, what do you mean you're going to kill the mayor and all these other people? You were only supposed to kill <laughs> these people. So he's like, I'm now going to kill you. Oh, that's good. Um, Look at that. Rewritten and so much more. Yeah, so I, I thought that was like a really interesting theory. Um, yeah. And I'm like, how much higher is a DA compared to like a regular lawyer? I don't know. I don't know. How that hierarchy works from all the other lawyer films and movies it seems like they always want to be partners i don't really hear a lot of people saying i want to be the da yeah anything else no all right i just wanted to say one last thing um just summing up my experience i said uh i'm here for a, a scorned broken father who loses his morals in a quest for revenge and his descent into madness is heartbreaking because we've seen it done really well in, like Count of Monte Cristo and Sweeney Todd I really like but Clyde doesn't sound like a scorned hurt man but a gleeful fanatic high on his own farts and those are my closing statements on the film but overall I enjoyed this movie Uh, I liked watching it but like I said I'm a fan of um, thinking about how these characters put their different plans in motion I just want to say I'm a fan of thinking (laughs) Yeah, well, it's like no, no. The, the the intelligence that Clyde portrays, thinking about their actions and how they how they put it in place. And so it's more so of, a, I guess, what's going on in the back of my head as I'm watching these these films. But it's an action thriller. You know, people die. Yeah, I mean, I've seen worse. I didn't I wasn't actively waiting for the movie to be over while watching yeah. it. Like, it's fine. I wouldn't watch it again if I didn't have to <laughs> i would that's, that's fine different tastes and that is what's great about being alive difference of opinions okay yeah yeah tell us your thoughts about the film leave any suggestions for future films thanks for watching with us see you next time